All right. Good evening, gentlemen. Good to have at least Francois out. I don't know if there are others that are going to be joining us in just a moment, but good to be with you guys this evening. Let me get the chat section warmed up as well. Francois, thank you. You beat me to it. There we go. Hey, Sean, good to have you out this evening. I'm going to begin by issuing an apology. Guys, I'm so sorry. I, whew, I got confused. Chalk it up to just being a little bit too busy, but I announced this men's meeting for 6 p.m. That was last Sunday. I announced it like that in both the a.m. and p.m. services. While on my desk, I had it written that we were going to have this meeting at 9 a.m. So all through the week, I was thinking it was 9 a.m., even though I had announced it as 6 p.m. And that's why you got the message that you did last night on the Godly Family Group as, as a reminder for 9 a.m. I sincerely thought that I had planned it and announced it that way. I got up early this morning, extra early to prepare for the lesson and uh, just get everything set up in the office. <laughs> and I was sitting there getting ready and I thought, wait a minute, last Sunday, I think I said a different time. And I went back and checked the sermon on, on YouTube and sure enough, there in the announcements, I had said 6 p.m. So gentlemen, I'm sorry. I hope that didn't throw a wrench in anybody's plans. I'm sorry if it did, but that's life. What are we gonna do? We're just gonna make the most of the time we have together now. So I got something a little special for you. Um, you know, I've been playing songs from that church in America. I found a song by some folks here in South Africa, song that our church is familiar with. I think you'll know it. You'll be able to sing along with it. However, I'm gonna ask you to, to watch, especially the first 10, 15 seconds as we listen to the Urwinnenslied done by a professional orchestra. It's an amazing performance of it, but the Ulms and Tanis, you know, they like to sing it a little slower. This orchestra is really fast paced. So just watch how, and I feel the same way. I struggle when people want to sing quickly in Afrikaans because I can't get the words out. Uh, but the song is a blessing nonetheless, so I hope you enjoy it. The Urwinnenslied.
Amen. That's, that was an outstanding job they did with that song. And I, I absolutely love how that song ends. Um, I was discussing this song with Amy today as we were moving about running some errands. And, you know, in English, I won't sing that, that song. It's called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It was a song written to celebrate the North winning the Civil War in America. And the message of the song in English is just a mess. But the Afrikaans version, the words to it are outstanding. And to end the song on that crescendo, that's just what a wonderful message to really trumpet out. Um, I'm curious. Uh, we got, I have a little counter there on my screen. It says we got 11 people viewing or at least 11 different computers logged into this. I'm wondering, you can see this uh, slide below me. We got a young man, middle-aged man, and an older man. I'm wondering who is the youngest one watching? And then I'm also curious who is the oldest one watching. So I don't know where I fall into that. Um, I'm gonna throw my age, I'll put mine in the hat there. While I can, I'm still 44. My birthday's coming soon, so I'll claim it while I can. But I'm wondering who thinks they're the youngest, and now be, be legitimate right about your age, and who is the oldest one that's tuned in currently? Just, I'm just curious. Um, I hope you like that slide. It's the best I could do to come up with a, something appropriate for a men's meeting. Uh, tonight, what we're gonna be focusing on is, it, please somebody enter a number higher than me, right? I guess it's not the worst thing in the world to be the oldest man in the room, but anyway. Um, we're going to be talking about this tonight. Consider your calling. Consider your calling. And before I get into, into the lesson itself, and I want to take my time. I don't want to rush through it um, because it's, it's something I think from time to time it's, it's real good to look inward, take stock, and make sure that you're not just putting the pieces of your life together the best way you know how, but that you're actually fulfilling the calling of God. And I'll talk more about it in a minute, but the calling of God is directly linked to the expectations which God has for your life. And that's something that we, we have to take very seriously. And it's good from time to time to just check yourself and make sure that you are fulfilling that calling. All right, what do we got? 24, 27, Lucas. He's not even one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he, he takes the cake then on, on the youngest for sure. Uh, Garrett, I'm the middlest one. <laughs> I like it, the middlest. All right, well, so far, I'm in the lead for the oldest. Yeah. Amen. At the end of the day, right? As long as we fulfill the calling of God, stay busy about the Father's business, we'll be just fine. Uh, gentlemen, if I could ask you to do one other thing for me, make use of the comment section or chat section as we go through the lesson, right? Every preacher appreciates an amen or a I agree or something. We all like that. We all need that, right? Not just me, but everybody. It's good to see um, that a particular thought or point is seconded or thirded, if you understand what I mean, right? I second the motion. I third the motion in the mouth of, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Every word gets established. So use it for that. But I would also encourage you to put a prayer request or two in the chat section. Um, this isn't our typical prayer meeting online, right? Usually we do that by Zoom. But what I'm going to do is at the end of the lesson, I'm going to go through the chat section and look for the prayer request. And then I will pray 
and if I can, just lead us in, in a, a short time of prayer. And this will act as our prayer meeting for the evening as well. So please, as, as you uh, tune in, as you think of something that you would like prayer for, feel free to pop that into the chat section. All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7, as you can see. So if you'd like to open your Bibles there, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse number 17. And we're going to read a few verses and then ask God to help us with this. It says here, But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. So what Paul's about to explain to the Corinthians is not something just for the Corinthians. Paul's giving them the same general advice he would give out anywhere. Now, watch how many times Paul uses the word called or calling. Verse 18, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Now, of course, that has to do, it is a physical thing. We know that, but circumcision and uncircumcision was directly linked to religious heritage to religious tradition so he said if you got saved out of a gentile heathen background or maybe you were jewish before you got saved either way you you don't have to adopt a different culture once you are saved and verse 19 circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing god nowhere in the new testament commanded his people he never commanded Christians to be one or the other in order to be a better Christian. You won't find any scripture on that in the New Testament. What is something, though, in the New Testament? But the keeping of the commandments of God. So the first two things he mentions, your religious tradition that you had before you got saved, that's, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. That does not need to affect your spiritual life moving forward. What will affect your spiritual life moving forward? doing what God commanded you to do. Now, please don't be distracted by the phrase commandments of God, right? You take it within its context. Paul is not referring to the Ten Commandments. That, that had to do with the Jews. That was a covenant between God and the Jews back in the Old Testament. Within the context, Paul is simply saying what's important is that you do what God has told you to do. Verse 20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Verse 21. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. Don't, don't worry. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. So all about perspective. You might think now I'm a Christian, you know, I'm limited. Well, not really. In one way or another, you're both in bondage, right? That is, you're a servant to Christ. And at the same time, you're free. You're no longer in bondage to sin. So, so both can be true and applicable and helpful. Verse 23, ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Now, you still have a boss. In this passage, some of these people were slaves. They got saved. They still had a master after the flesh. But ultimately, Paul is telling them, the one that you're trying to impress ultimately is the one that bought you for a price and, and 
body and spirit belongs to God, so make sure you're living up to God's expectations and not men's. Verse 24, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So in just these few verses, right, from verse 17 to 24, Paul uses a variation of the word call or calling nine different times in just a few verses. And, and the rest of the chapter, he doesn't really mention that word. I think this passage, though, is going to give us a good jumping off spot to talk about the calling that God has upon our lives. So if you would, join me in a quick word of prayer, and then we'll look at some more scripture. Father, please help us tonight as we gather around our computers. And Lord, this is, man, I miss getting to fellowship with my brothers in Christ. Lord, I, I look forward to the day that we can do this face to face. But for now, God, please meet with us where we're at. Speak to our hearts tonight. Please, Father, fill me with your spirit. Oh God, I beg you, don't let me do this by myself, Lord. You do the work tonight. Speak to us about what you expect from our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Consider your calling. Let me explain. Let me touch a little bit on what I mean by calling. In the passage that we're dealing with, right, Paul is going to talk about two different callings directly. He mentions two of them directly. He mentions your the salvation's calling. Now, there's a fancy word for this, salvific calling, but I thought I'd use the more common one, salvation's calling. And this is a general call that God gives to every human being. You might remember in Revelation 22, where it, I think it's in verse 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And whosoever is a thirst, let him come and take of the water of life freely. So there is a call that goes out, calling sinners to come to Christ. Now, when somebody answers salvation's call, understand every calling needs to be answered. Many be called, few be chosen, right? Because, because not everybody answers the call. However, when God sends this call out, Let's be very clear on what he is calling us to do. It's not just a call to say, it's not God ringing you up saying, listen, would you like a get out of hell free card so that you can do whatever you want? That's, that's not the call that God is making. The call that God makes is a calling out of the world, out of darkness, out of the old man, the old life, and a calling to sanctification, righteousness, uh, a calling to service, a calling to love, to seeking after the truth. You, you understand what we're getting at there. So salvation's calling, it, it not only affects your eternity, it affects the here and now in a great way. When you answer that call, God expects that there is going to be a separation from certain things and that you will attach yourself to other things. Bear in mind, the word church right, comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia, it means a called out assembly. Now, we are called out of spiritual darkness. We are connected to Christ. So we have that spiritual connection, the body of Christ, which is the church, right, the universal church. But then even, uh, even on a weekly basis, we are called to come out from the world and assemble together. By the grace of God, we'll do that again very soon. Let me show you a verse here, or a couple verses, in 1 Corinthians 1. 
and you're going to see two different callings mentioned here. We're going to we're going to see the first two on my list: the salvation's call, and then the specific calling. And that is, God expects the same thing from all Christians: away from darkness, attached to the light, or, you know, walking in the light. That's part of salvation's call. But then there's a specific calling where God wants you to do one thing. He'll have me do something different. Verse 1, you see the specific calling. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother. So there's Paul's specific calling. Not everybody's going to be an apostle. Paul was. Now watch salvation's call in verse 2. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints, right? That's salvation's call. Called to be saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So do you see how this ties into Romans 10, 13? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody that calls out by faith, asking Christ to be their Lord and Savior, they receive immediately this I almost want to say general, this general call of salvation, that call to be a saint, and with it goes, uh, you know, the old man is gone and the new man is, is now, uh, you have to put on that new man. But as time goes on, God will prepare you and equip you for a specific calling. And as you can see, like with Paul, that's maybe to be an apostle. Now there's one other calling you need to consider. The last one on my list there uh, that you can see below me is the civil call. The civil call. Now that's in this particular passage that we've just read. Paul mentions salvation's call and he mentions the civil calling. What, what do I mean by civil calling? The status of life, your, your everyday life. You got to get up, go to work. Right? That's part of your civil calling. What job do you have? Your marriage, that's part of functioning in this world. Your religious heritage, the traditions that you had growing up, that everybody has them, right? That's part of being in this world. So that's your civil calling. So in the passage, Paul is going to deal with two of the three things in my list. So you would maybe assume that that is what I'm going to deal with tonight, salvation's calling and the civil calling. Actually, I believe the passage is pretty clear on those things. And I think you all know what Paul's dealing with in this passage, the Corinthians had some questions about how their salvation, how God's calling upon their life, that general salvation call, how does that affect our civil calling? How does that affect my status as a married person? How does that affect my status with work? Or does my work affect my spiritual status? What about this whole religious tradition thing? If I was a Gentile, do I now have to become Jewish and take on Hebrew roots? They were concerned that with their civil calling, the way it was, maybe they would not be able to live up to all of God's expectations. Now, I think these things are dealt with very clearly in the passage, so I'm not going to take time to re-explain all of that. Lots of other scripture in the New Testament that tells you how, to, how a Christian should function in a marriage. What's expected of you at work? You know that uncircumcision circumcision, those things are nothing as it pertains to the new man, right? That's spelled out very clearly. I'm actually going to use this passage tonight by the grace of God to talk about calling number two in my list. 
I'd like to talk to you about the specific calling. So when I say consider your calling, I'm actually going to try to dig a little deeper tonight in this passage. I believe that Paul, although not directly, I think he indirectly gives us some helpful tips, pointers, for how we can discern the calling of God on our lives. Now, the Corinthians had written Paul a letter and said, Paul, we're concerned about this. They're freshly saved. They don't have 2,000 years of church history uh, from which to learn, right? This is the first generation of Corinthians to be saved. So they got questions. Paul, now that I'm saved, you know, I'm saved, my wife's not. What do we do? Can we stay married? Do we have to get divorced? Paul, I'm a slave, but I got saved. Does this make me less of a Christian? Paul, I'm, I was a Jew, I was a Gentile rather, and you know there's this big Hebrew roots movement, do I have to join that? They were concerned. And would to God more people were concerned about how the divine calling from God affects their civil calling. Oh man, that'd be wonderful if more people took time to investigate those things and find out what does God expect from me in these areas? How should I go about them in a way that's pleasing to God? Yet at the same time, we also need to be asking questions. Now, what about that specific thing that God wants me to do? And gentlemen, as I mentioned earlier, this is not something you do once in your life. So, okay, I'm done. I, I did it when I first got saved. Does God want me to, to preach? I started preaching. God never stopped, stopped me. He, he, I just went on. <laughs> God, you want me to go to Bible school? The doors opened, I went. God, you want me to go to India? God redirected. God, you want me in Malawi? Off we went. And then there it would have been very easy to say, well, that's the calling of God. But as time went on, I continually checked my heart and God starts to redirect me and now we're here. And I will continue to ask the Lord, what else do you expect from me? And I think there are a few things in this passage that will help us to correctly answer that calling. All right, first thing I want to point out, abilities. We're going to look at verse 17 for this. Verse 17. Paul says, But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. All right, in the middle there. As the Lord hath called every man. So if you were uh, working as a plumber, right, that's part of your civil calling, you're a plumber and the Lord called you for salvation, called you to be a saint. Okay, now walk like a saved plumber. You are now a Christian plumber. So part of the calling, how does God's divine calling affect my civil calling? Paul says, listen, if that's the job you have when you got saved, you don't have to leave that job. Now, obviously there's exceptions if you had some sinful job, if you were a hit man before you got saved or a race car driver, you're going to have to give some of that up, right? But generally speaking, if you're a plumber, no problems. If you're, a, as in this passage, if you're a slave, you can still serve God. But that's not the only thing in the verse. Notice at the beginning of the verse, as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. So two things are in view here. Number one, as the Lord hath called everyone, the status in which you entered the Christian life. Did you enter as an uncircumcised person? Did you enter while you were married? Did you enter as a plumber? Okay, you can stay that way. But another thing to consider is what 
gifts has God distributed to you? You need to walk according to those gifts that he's given you. Now, why do I say gifts? Just let your eyes roam. I'm going to do the roaming here for you. Look at verse 7. Of course, Paul's talking about marriage in this particular passage. He says, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Now, when you look through the list of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, that's usually where people go for the gifts. Uh, There are others in Ephesians 4. If you look there, you will not find in the list the gift of being single. But that is exactly what Paul's referring to here. Not everybody has that proper, that specific gift. Even Jesus acknowledged this in Matthew 19. I think it's verse 11. Uh, His apostles said, man, if, if this is the case, if this is how marriage works, it's good that we don't get married. And Jesus said, not everybody can receive that saying. Save them to whom it is given. So there are certain people that have been given a proper gift and they need to walk accordingly. They need to use that gift. Now, I'm going to switch the word here. It's a synonym, but sometimes that word gift, people have have used that so much that we kind of get the wrong picture in our mind. A gift is an ability, right? In this context, a gift is an ability. If you are able to stay single and stay sanctified, then use that gift right? Well, how do I know if I should get married? How do I know if I should stay single? Well, one thing you can use to answer that question is, do I have the ability to stay single and stay out of trouble? And if the answer is no, well, there you go. You got your answer. You need to seek for a wife. Now, how does this play into the larger scope? Jesus said it like this. Let me show you the verse. Luke 12, verse 48. Jesus said, uh, I'm I don't know if you can see my mouse working here, but um, here in the middle of the verse, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Gentlemen, I'm not asking you to sit down and make a list of all your gifts. I'm not. I I don't believe in that. I I don't think that's a healthy thing to do. I think, I think what you ought to do is develop the attitude of whatever abilities I have, to whatever extent I'm able to do a certain thing, I will do it to the utmost of my ability. Right? If you have that attitude of, I'm going to call it love, I want to help the people around me, whoever that is, wherever I'm at, I'm going to take the resources, the ability, the learning, the opportunities that I have, and I'm going to use them. If God has committed much to you, then he expects much from you. Just take a look again here. I, let me show you another verse why I've, I believe that gift and ability works together. Look at what Peter said, 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So when you, when you speak, you should apply, you should have the same attributes as the Bible. You should speak truthfully, boldly, and so forth. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
what does Peter expect of us? And, and I, I dare say the, the Spirit of God, what does he expect from us? To use the abilities that God has given us. I fear that in the day and age in which we live, there are a lot of, there are a lot of underachievers when it comes to Christianity. I think of the parable that Jesus gave in, in the book of Luke chapter 19, right? He, he says that there's a, a, a master, a lord, who's going to go off into another country for a while. And before he goes, he gives his servants one pound each. And then he goes away for a while. He comes back and he's going to reckon with them and see how much they gained by trading. They all started with one. And the first one comes and says, I gained 10 pounds. The second one, I gained five. And the third one didn't gain anything at all. We actually find Jesus breaking these categories into three on more than one occasion. In one of his parables, the sower and the seed, he talks about how the seed that falls on good ground, it brought forth fruit abundantly. And it said, he said, some bring forth a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. It breaks it into three. Now I know that we're not dealing, it's not it doesn't overlap perfectly. But you can get the point here. There are some people that just do all they can. They put those abilities. In, in Matthew 25, the parable Jesus uses there is talents. Now, I know that's a, a weight of money that he's using there, a denomination of money, but, but it's, it's interesting how the word matches up with abilities. And the guy that was given five, he gains five. Two gains two. And the one didn't do anything with it. He didn't gain one. He just shows up with one. Let me ask you, brother. How do you want this thing to end up when you stand before the Lord one day? These abilities, these talents, he's given you something to work with. You don't have to be able to list them out. And you don't have to have the greatest uh, ability, Let, let's put it this way, it's not a contest. You don't have to be have a, a, a better uh, speaking voice, singing voice, a better carpenter, a better plumber, a better this or that. You don't have to be the best at any one thing in order to do it. You just need to be willing to use that ability as much as you can. You say, how do I know the calling for my life? Well, just what can you do? What can you do? You say, well, I, I got, I'm pretty good at this. I can do a little bit of that. And, you know, when I get time, I can do that. And, okay, well, there you go. There you go. As God has distributed to every man, so let him walk. Why do you think God gave you that ability? Every single thing that he's gifted us to do should be used for his glory. Let me bring you back to 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 23. Paul, we, we obviously read this earlier, but he says, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. You're bought with a price. Now, most of you, you're, you're working men. Your boss buys, a, a, for some of you, quite a bit of your week, right? He buys a certain amount of hours from your life on a consistent basis. Now, let's call it what it is. It's not slavery. But for some of you, it's awfully close. I know it feels like that at times. But he's buying from this time to this time, I want certain abilities from you. I want you to use them at work. Now, your boss rightfully, rightfully expects the best from you. And especially as a believer, right, you should do your utmost to 
fulfill the boss's expectations. He is paying you for a full day's work. At least give him a full day's work. Give him the best of your abilities. Now that's just your human boss. He's buying a, a certain amount of your time. He doesn't completely own you, but the Lord does. The Lord made an investment in our lives, did he not? Jesus laid down his life, buried three days later, rises up. After 40 days with the apostles, he ascends back to heaven. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that after he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. Jesus went through all of that he, that he went through, not just to buy us so that he can possess us, sit us on a shelf somewhere and say, look what I bought. We are trophies of his grace, right? But we are living trophies. We are living sacrifices unto him. We are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So just maybe ask yourself tonight, based on what God's allowed you to learn and the abilities he's given you, have you been giving him a good return on his investment? Or are you an underachiever? It's good every now and then to just stop and look and go, okay, this is what I know I could do. Am I using all of these abilities? How do I know what God wants me to do with my life? A good starting place is to look at what you know how to do already, and you can start there. Now, one thing you must remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, covet earnestly the best gifts, right? You can learn, you can gain more knowledge, more abilities, more talent. As time goes on, you can develop that, cultivate that. And the more you learn, the more you're able to do, the calling of God might uh, change a little bit because now you're, you're able to do a bit more. And that's why it's important to kind of check your heart from time to time. Let me show you one other thing in the passage here, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 18. Bring your attention back to that. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. You know what? Forgive me, guys. I'm seeing I had an illustration here. I, 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 can't, I can't skip this. This is uh, it's too good not, not to show you. Round peg, round hole. Square peg, round hole. Doesn't work, does it? So forgive me, I, I, I should have covered this already. How do I know where I fit in the body of Christ, in, into the specific calling, right? I'm in the general board where I should be, but which gap should I fill? I don't know if you remember Ezekiel 22, God's looking for a man to fill the gap. Which gap should I fill? Well, if you're a square peg, you don't fill the round hole. You look at the ability and say, well, I'm, I'm able to do that, but not this, right? You can just narrow it down there a little bit. No one's asking you to force yourself into a spot where you don't fit. But it seems to work well with the idea, if I'm a round peg and there's a round hole over there, right? there's a void that no one's filling and I have the ability to fill it, why am I not filling it? Why am I not doing something about it? All right, forgive me, we'll move on now. The next point that I'd like to bring out. 
Obedience. How do we discern the specific calling of God for our lives? Obedience. All right, circumcision, uncircumcision. God has not commanded one thing or the other. Either way, it's not going to improve your spiritual life. No need to adopt Hebrew roots or anything like that. What does God expect? Verse 19, circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God. What is important to God? Obedience. Obedience. Look at verse 24 in relation to this. Brethren, let every man, wherein he is called, your civil calling, therein abide with God. So what is more important than my civil calling? The overarching expectation for my life is not just fulfill my civil calling. My civil calling is going to be completely fulfilled when I do it God's way. That's the, the umbrella under which everything falls. So no matter what the particular status of life I find myself in, am I living up to God's expectations? Am I being obedient? You say, no, Brother Mike, this is exactly what I'd like to know. If I can find out the calling of God for my life, then I would obey it. Well, let's try this. What has he told you to do so far? I was never in the army, but I've been around several people that have been. This is not anything deep. It's not like this is a secret thing in the military. Whether it's wartime or not, a soldier, he marches on with the last orders he was given. Right? The last orders he was given, he goes with that. And he's not going to stop doing that, performing that service, that function, until his commander shows up and says, time to do something different. So, when's the last time God told you to do something specifically? Well, just stay busy doing that. And from time to time, ask, Lord, is this all you want? Can I do more? Why not ask him that? Can I do more? Lord, I'd like to learn a few new skills so that I'd have more to offer, right? And as you grow, there might be more for him to tell you to do. But until that time, just keep doing what he's called you to do so far. You say, I don't know specifically. Okay, well, stay busy with the general things. Called out from this, called to these right things. Just stay busy with that if you're not sure about any of the specifics. We'll talk more about opportunities in just a moment. But gentlemen, please take this next statement seriously. Don't allow your civil calling to dictate the limits of your divine calling. Don't let your civil calling dictate the limits of your divine calling. Too many times people get this thing reversed, and that's why I've, I've tried to emphasize verse 24. People say, I, I cannot do this, this, and this for God because my civil calling. Don't hide behind that as an excuse for not achieving everything God expects from you. I'm not asking you to bang out a new gap, a new hole in the board so you can shove another peg in there. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to force yourself beyond what God expects. I do, however, want to see you serve Christ to the fullest. He is worthy of it. He's worthy of it. And he expects and deserves our obedience. You know, 
I, I have found this to be true after years now of, of dealing with this subject. When I first got saved, the calling of God, or you might call it you know, the will of God or the plan of God for your life, but um, I found it to be a very delicate, difficult, almost spooky kind of a thing. Man, mysterious. How does somebody figure that out? And with a little bit of experience now, I can look back. And you know what? It was just a matter of patience, right? I had to stay faithful, obeying and doing what God had told me to do up to that point. But in due time, God actually made it pretty clear. I mean, really clear. So clear that when God told me what to do, my flesh, it was so clear that my flesh kind of backed off and went, oh, now wait a minute, that it can't be that easy, right? It's got to be more difficult than that. But sure enough, as I look back, the pieces of this puzzle would come together one at a time and then eventually, boom, the picture's there and God just says, there you go, that's what I want. And it, it, it would take months sometime for me to look at that, all the pieces together, looking at that going, do I got this right? Do I got this right? Now listen, I think everybody's probably gonna go through something like that. If, you're, if you take the Lord seriously, right, you are gonna look at that puzzle that's come together and go, wow, really? And I understand. I'm not asking you to jump into something that, uh, that you're not ready for. I do want to bring to your attention, however, this story from the Old Testament about the calling of God and how important obedience is. Look at this in verse number 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. That's a general calling. That's, even that's a civil calling, right? That's his job. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Listen to that. He says, hey, listen to this. I'm going to tell you something on God's behalf. The voice of the words of the Lord. So here's the preacher talking to Saul. Verse 2, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. Now you know how this story goes, right? Utterly destroy all that they have. Saul didn't do it. Okay, guys, let me ask you. Verse, verse 1, 2, 3. Is that clear? Is there any doubt about it? Right? God made it pretty clear. He sent a preacher to just flat out tell him. Spell it out. Here's what I want you to do. What did Saul do? Well, he kind of uh, amended it. Made it a little more convenient comfortable for himself. He did some of it, right? Verse 7, Saul smote the Amalekites. Verse 8, he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. That is all the people that he found there. Because if you read on in 1 Samuel, he didn't kill all the Amalekites. There, there was at least one more left, right? And actually, there, we know there were plenty more because... That, that people group continued on uh, later in the Bible, but there was an Amalekite that came taking credit for killing Saul in 2 Samuel 1. So Saul's disobedience really came back to get him. Look, look here at verse 11. Uh, you get verse 10 with it. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed 
my commandments. What does God expect? Not circumcision, not uncircumcision. You don't need to live up to religious tradition from, you know, that your family expects. What does he expect? Paul said, keeping the commandments of God. What did God say about Saul? He hath not performed my commandments. This very specific thing that he asked him to do, he didn't do it. Now remember, Saul did a lot of it, but he did it Saul's way, not God's way. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Look what happened. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. It was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Look, Saul's really proud of this. He really thinks he hit the nail on the head. He wasn't obedient. Guys, if God has told you to do A and you do X, Y, Z, don't expect to show up at the judgment seat of Christ and go, Well, Lord, you know, I know that you said this, but I wasn't comfortable with that. I did it this way. Just, just accept it. Accept what I did. No, God, he accepts obedience. Saul really thinks he's done it, but he hasn't. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. Have you? Watch this. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Saul was commanded to kill all those animals. And yet he brought the animals with him. He brought the, the damning evidence with him. You know what I've found whenever I've been disobedient to what God has told me to do? My conscience starts getting noisy. Something down in my soul doesn't rest well. And it's the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen. I'm carrying around this, this pricked conscience. And even though I'm still going about doing other things that God would have me do, there's, I know there's just something in me. Now, gentlemen, I'm asking you tonight, is there something down in you that just kind of keeps coming up, kind of keeps pricking you? You keep hearing the sheep and the oxen sounding off in the background of your life. As you go about doing other things as best you can, something keeps coming up saying, why aren't you doing that? Don't you remember God wants you to do that? I found that the Holy Spirit will be very good about reminding us when we're not obedient. Look, as the passage goes on, just for time's sake, we're going to jump forward a bit. But verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You want to hear God's voice. In this case, Saul's preacher, right, the prophet, said, here's what God wants you to do. It wasn't that hard, was it? It can be. Now, I realize it doesn't, it doesn't always come that quickly to everybody. I get that. But I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. We overthink it. Sometimes it's right there in front of us. It's begging us to do it. And we keep thinking, no, I can't be that way. No, I can't be right. I'll do this other thing and this other thing. And there's something down, deep down in your soul that's going to keep making noise until you get that thing right. What has God told you to do? And have you been faithful to do that thing? I'm going to bring you back to 1 Corinthians 7, if I can push the buttons correctly. 
There we go. And the last thing I want to talk about from this passage are opportunities. So you got abilities. How do I know what God's called me to do? Are you a round peg? Or maybe if you look in your, in your uh, peg box, you got a round peg, square peg, triangle peg. You, maybe you got several things you can do. Just start using them. God gave them to you for a reason. Start using them. Be obedient. Don't overcomplicate the calling of God. Pay attention to that still small voice of the Spirit sounding off in your heart. And then opportunities. Verse 20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. So the civil calling, that's the first one mentioned. Wherein he was called. That's salvation's call. So you can abide in that same job when, that you had when God saved you. Verse 21, now watch this principle, very important. Art thou called being a servant? So in this case, you're a slave. Care not for it. Don't worry. That does not make you less of a Christian. Let me ask you this. If you're a slave, you're probably going to have less time to do things for the Lord, right? You're, you don't have freedom to walk away from your job and, and uh, you know, do, run an errand or two for the Lord in the middle of the day. Your time is not your own. Paul says, okay, guys, if that's the case, if that's what you're dealing with, don't worry. You're not disappointing the Lord. You have to fulfill. There are limitations to your life. We get that. God gets that. So don't worry. You can still live up to God's expectations. Now watch this next part. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. Okay? So the first option, the first option, verse 20. Stay in the job that you had, in the calling that you had when you got saved. Now, that applies to the job, marriage, religious heritage, you know, as it applies to circumcision. All that's just fine. That's okay. That's option one. But option two enters in. If you're a, if you're a slave, don't worry. But option two, if you can find a better situation that would allow you to get more done, not only for the Lord, but for your family and even for yourself. Use it, rather. It's not deep. It's not mystical. It's very practical, isn't it? Very straightforward. Hey, here's an opportunity. Um, yeah. This would make things easier. I would be able to be, uh, you know, if I'm free, I can, I can make my choices to do this or that. Yeah, I'll do that. We'll come back to that thought in just a moment. Verse 22. He that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. I've heard this so many times since I've, I've been saved. People, and from saved and lost people, they say being a Christian really limits you. You know, Jesus takes so much out of your life and there's so many things you can't do and you know, they, all they see is the boundaries and the limitations. And I don't, I don't think they really see it. They don't see Christianity for what it really is. The Lord Jesus Christ opens up so many possibilities. Because before a person gets saved, if he's a slave, guess what he is? He's a slave. That's it. 
That's it. There's no other way to look at it. But if a slave gets saved, well, then is he a slave? Yes. But in another sense, he's free in Christ. Christ adds to him. So now there's a different aspect of that man's life. So do you see Christ is not limiting him? Christ is expanding his horizons. He's opening the door, all these new possibilities as a free, spiritually free in Christ. Now that person can use his job to glorify and please the Lord. See? So now I'm not limited to work the job, pay the bills, eat the food, die. <laughs> I can actually work this job, pay the bills, eat the food, one day meet the Lord and see him smile down on the efforts that I made. There's, man, that opens up so, a whole other realm of possibilities. There are many opportunities that you have now that you're saved. Many of them. In verse 21, I'm going to come back to that because I think it's a very important thought for this. When it, as it pertains to business, right? If you have an opportunity to get promoted or take a different job somewhere else, right? If, if you could work closer to home, better hours, better pay, if you have a chance to improve your life in that way, do you see here that the scripture is telling you, go ahead, use it rather. There's nothing wrong with that for advancement, right? In, in the workplace in this case, that's perfectly fine. What if we were to apply that same principle now to the specific calling of God as it pertains to service to Christ? What if we were to adopt the attitude of this, this is what I'm doing for Christ now, but I'm going to look for other opportunities that might allow me to do even more? What if we were to look at an open door as exactly that? Say, hmm, that's an open door. Well, if the door is opened and Christ is the one that has the keys of David, Revelation 3, and he opens doors, hmm, maybe I should check this out. Maybe I should use it rather. Rather than staring at it, maybe I should go through it. Now, listen, I know sometimes you might have five open doors in front of you, right? And then, then, yeah, you got some choices to make. And yeah, I, I get it. It's not always just as simple as there's the door, walk through it. I get that. But I also know sometimes the opportunity staring you right in the face, begging to be used. Use it rather. Use it rather. You say, but Brother Micah, I'm just not sure. I, I, I believe I could do something. I have some ability in that area. I could contribute. And there's an opportunity. God didn't tell me not to do it. I'm not, I wouldn't be disobeying him if I did it. Well, why aren't you doing it then? Say, ah, I'm just not sure. Here's how you can be sure. Go through the door. Go through the door. You go through the door and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why'd you go through that door? Well, Lord, I asked if you wanted me to go through the door, I didn't hear a response. Maybe I just didn't hear you. I'm trying to listen. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong here. I, I just, I have some ability and you didn't tell me not to. And I'd really like to do more for you. So I went. What's the worst possible thing that the Lord would do? Do you remember the story of Ahimez? This is in 2 Samuel now. 
There, Absalom, David's son, dies. And now Joab wants to send message back to the king. I, I believe it was Joab. And there's a man, Cushai. Now, he's a faithful messenger. But Ahimaaz jumps up and says, Ooh, ooh, send me, send me, send me. I want to do it, I want to do it. Now, Ahimaaz wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to carry the message. He didn't know what to say. He hadn't been taught enough yet. But man, he had zeal. Now, again, I believe it was Joab that said, Listen, Ahimaaz, not now. Cushai, run. So Cushai takes off, but Ahimaaz stays at, No, 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 please send me, send me, send me. Okay, fine, go. Off he runs. Ahimaaz outruns Cushai. Now, he has more zeal than wisdom. He outruns Cushai. He gets to the king. Oh, king, live forever. Out of breath, you know, because he's been running the whole way. And the king says, yes, what's the message? He says, we're winning the battle, king. And King David says, yep, what about Absalom? And he says, I'm not sure. All I know is we're winning the battle. You know what the king said? Stand aside. King David did not rebuke Ahimaaz. All we know is, Ahimaaz, you got a little bit ahead of yourself. And the king said, stand aside. So what if we go through a door too quickly and the Lord says, man, bless your heart. You jumped the gun. You're not quite ready for that. I think, what if the Lord were to say this, uh, Ahimaaz, just stand over here for a bit. I'm not done with you. You're not finished because you went through a door prematurely. I can use a soldier like you. We're just going to train you and equip you a little more so the next time you run with a message, you get the job done. Wouldn't that be better than just standing back the whole time going, I ain't going through that door until somebody picks me up and throws me through it. (sighs) To see potential laying around, going to waste, it's just heartbreaking. Don't we see... Now listen, Ahimaaz, he did get ahead of things. He, he, He wasn't ready. But look at how Paul handles this. In Acts chapter 16... In verse number six, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, what happened? He tried to go to Asia. Paul tried to turn right, to turn east, and the Holy Spirit wanted him going west. After they were come to Mysia, they assayed, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Holy Spirit didn't allow it. But Paul was at least trying. Paul was moving. He was taking some steps. Remember this verse in Proverbs? A man's heart deviseth his path, but the Lord directeth his steps. If you don't take some steps, God can't give you any direction. So when a door opens up, you got some ability. God didn't tell you not to do it. So I'm not sure. Why not Give it a try. And if that's not where God wants you at that particular moment, he'll say, no, 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 not there. And he'll redirect you. But God will give direction as you take steps. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. How does he direct your paths? As you take the steps, God redirects, redirects, detour, detour, and makes an entire path out of it. Because you acknowledge him in all your ways, you stay sensitive as you go each step of the way. Lord, I, I think this is what you want me to do, and I am so desperate to serve you. There's an opportunity. I want to be obedient. I want to use the gifts you've given me. This story, I, I found some preachers that they handle this story differently. Adrian's here. Maybe Adrian will disagree with me on this. Hey, Brother Adrian, good to see you, man. Um, when Peter is in the boat in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus comes, remember, walking on the water, and it's Peter and the other apostles in that boat. And they have been through stormy seas all night. Jesus now walks up. There's still a storm going. Jesus did not say, Peter, get out of the boat. Come, come unto me on the water. He didn't say that. Peter said, Lord, bid me come unto thee. Oh, we need more people that cry out to Christ and say, please, God, ask me to do something. God, ask me to come to you on the water. Ask me. You think Peter had that ability? He didn't even have that ability he just wanted to experience something very unique with his Savior. He might have been testing to see if that's Jesus, right? If that's really Jesus out on the water, then surely he can help me walk the water as well. But man, that's asking a lot. <laughs> that's asking a lot. But I'll say this for Peter. He got off his rear end he got outside of the comfort zone of the boat. He got into the water. You say, but after a few steps, you know, he sunk. Yeah, but he took a few steps. No other apostle could say that. No other human being can say that. So he went down. He went down trying. He went down trying. Guys, I'm not asking you to go kicking down every door. I'm not asking you to forsake your family, your job. I understand that God expects you to take care of those civil callings, right, in a biblical and godly manner. But do not allow the civil calling to dictate the limits of the divine calling. I don't think that the things that we were able to pull out of 1 Corinthians 7 tonight these things are these are not the only things you have to consider when when uh, thinking about the calling of God but i think these things should be considered so i'm asking you now to search your heart abilities obedience don't overthink it what has god told you to do it might be something that he made very clear and that you you didn't want it to be that clear. <laughs> and opportunities. If it's an open door, don't take that for granted.
take advantage of these opportunities while you can. Amen. I hope this has helped. I'm going to scroll back through the comments now and look for prayer requests. I know Zintley had one. Please pray for Jacobs to get saved. Jacobs or Jacob? Jacobs to get saved and also for Yakanani. Yakanani Dignity Foundation where I disciple them as they are in need for funds. All right, Yakanani. That's for some of you, you know, that's where Zintley's had a chance to do some discipleship and also to spend time, mentor those kids there. Uh, good ministry that they got going there. So let's pray for that. Jacob's to get saved. I'm assuming, Zinle, that that's one of the young men in, in the home there. All right. All right. Gentlemen, I'm going to pray for that one thing. And let's pray for the service tomorrow. You guys know that there are certain things we've been praying for all week. We'll keep that in prayer as well. Uh, but... As we go, I'll peek up every now and then. If you guys want to slip in a prayer request or two as we go, that'll be fine. I'll pray for that as well. But thank you, gentlemen, for ma making time tonight uh, to be with us. I do appreciate your, your evening. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the privilege of uh, being in a local church. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the structure you've given us. We thank you for the advice you've given us in this passage specifically. Lord, we want to live up to your expectations. And I don't think there's any man alive that can say for sure he's always done exactly what you have called him to do. But Lord, we want to get it as right as we can. We want to do as much as we can for you. Help us. We need to be balanced, God. We do. But Lord, when it comes to serving you, we don't want to leave anything behind. We don't want to leave any ability unused, any door uh, unexamined. Show us what we can do for you, Lord. Our bodies, our spirits are yours. You've invested so much in us. Help us to live worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. Father, we pray for this man, Jacob's. Lord, I... I I believe it's probably one of the young men at that home, but whoever this is, you know this person's soul. Please, God, have mercy on that man. Touch his heart. Save him. And I pray you'd help Zintle as he continues to disciple and teach there. For these younger folks, please, God, even these other pastors that attend the discipleship, I pray that you would touch their heart, God. We pray for uh, um, Isaac and his health and the surgery coming up. Please, Lord, have your hand upon him and his, his physical health. God, help him. Help him, Lord. Umsaki, Tani Brenda, Lord, struggling with COVID, please get them back on their feet. God, help them to make it through this thing and, and, and be able to just return to full strength, God. While we're praying about that, please, God, allow us to return to... Uh, what can I say, a full schedule at church? Open doors, as many people as we can. Lord, we, we, oh, we miss it so much, God. Show us what we should do in the next couple weeks. We hope that everything is different, but Lord, even in the meantime, show us what we can do to fulfill that command you gave us of assembling together. We don't want to take that lightly, Lord. Not at all. 
Lord, uh, also the Yakanani Foundation, they need some funds, God. So we just want to bring that need before you and ask that you please meet their needs, Lord. You know the work they're trying to do there. And Father, if that's a work that's going to glorify you and tell those people about Christ, Lord, that what a difference that can make in their lives. Please, well, Father, we, we know your promise that you will provide their need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, we want to pray that you please help us with the service tomorrow. Please, God, work in my heart. Show me exactly what to say. Use me, God, as a vessel. Please. Lord, I know Brother Adrian has joined us now for a few minutes here. Have your hand on his church, on that man, on his family. Thank you for him. God, we pray for Tani Pietru. Please, Lord, guide them with all the decisions they need to make with her health. Thank you, Father, for giving me the physical strength I needed to teach tonight. Lord, I pray you would take some time with each one of these men that have tuned in now. Take some time with them personally, Lord. Speak to their hearts. Show them exactly what you'd have them to do. And Lord, give them the, the grace to follow through with it. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, Sean, I think I see one more here. Get my glasses back on. Vilku, great to see you, brother. Wonderful. In my workplace, Dale Wizenbolden, much love toward my coworkers. Lord, please help Sean there at work. And I think, Sean, if I can borrow your request for all the, all the working men here, um, it is always a challenge to do that job as good as you can from a boss that many times isn't saved Try to reach your coworkers and have the patience and the wisdom to do that. God, it's, I pray that you'd help these men to stay patient and maintain that burden for the lost souls, but, but also fulfill that, that expectation of doing a good job. Lord, help all these men to make the most of the opportunities they have at work. Lord, we know that they can fully please you and glorify you there in the workplace. They don't have to be in a full-time ministry. Lord, they're no less a Christian because they find themselves in a position of service, a civil service. But uh, Lord, we do want to use these jobs for more than just paying the bills. And I pray you'd help Sean help all of these men in that, in that way. Father, thank you. Thank you for this evening, for this time. Please Lord, spend time with us for the rest of this evening. We ask it in Jesus' name again. Amen. Amen. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Lord willing, you'll have a great night, and you'll see me tomorrow morning at 930.